Jin Dobri Jechi. It's the Flurza Experience, a show about Gwent, but so much more. I'm joined, as always, by the cannoli commander himself, Pavel Burja. How are you, my brethren? Uh, now I want some cannoli that you just mentioned. That cannoli commander, CC. Putting that, putting that in my CV. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I want to be a cannoli commander. Haven't had good cannoli since, I don't know, since we were in Sicily. That was, what, three years ago? Four? I don't know. It was too long ago. Too long ago. Yeah, but hello, Flake. This is episode 11 before I go out, you know, uh, cannoli thinking about Sicily and cannoli, thinking about the sun and cannoli. Cannoli tangents are okay, though. Like, I, what I'm trying to do here is just take various pastries and and you know, have this alliteration for your name. Yeah, and throw them at you. Um, I recently discovered that of my, all of my amazing sort of career aspirations in my life, um, they seem to change now and then. When I was very young, when I was like three or four years old, I wanted to be a Ghostbuster. That was my, what I wanted to do as a job. Uh, then I wanted to be a garbage man. That's good. I wanted to be a garbage man because I just liked hanging off the side of like my mom's shopping cart and throw things in the shopping cart when we go grocery shopping. That was always fun. I did that also as a kid. Yeah. Uh, fighter pilot like, uh, like was on there as well, partially because I just liked playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter on my computer many years ago. Um, Good game. But most recently, Mr. Pavel Berger, most recently, I've decided that if ever this all goes upend for me, Drum roll. I want to have my own food truck and I already Ooh. know everything about it. Like I've already, I've, and I'm, I'm not saying this for a degree. Is it a poutine truck? It wouldn't be a poutine truck because there are ton, tons There's of those. There's too much. Too many okay. of those. I want, a, part of it is legitimately, you need a very concise menu. You can't have like a bajillion things. Yeah. You need like Agreed. everything to appear on one board where someone could just point and it's ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, here's what's on the menu. Fresh, like fresh pressed, um, Chicken parm sandwiches, veal parm sandwiches, meatball Ooh. subs, and Ooh. for the vegetarian option, eggplant parmesan sandwiches. Mm. Um, and uh, for dessert, cannoli, and that's it. That's all there is in drinks, various nice. different drinks. That's it. I, that's all. Good that you said it. I also like, like think that food trucks that do best are the ones that have not a shit ton of like stuff on the menu because you have people standing there like would i want this or do i want this did i want that or Come that but if you if you do only a couple of things and you do them like super super well yeah then you're gonna be the boss of those things and people will come and you know eat your food because it's awesome and it's good right pretty much Easy. and use some of that you know maybe get some of my my nonna's recipe for her sauce you know use that Ooh. sauce recipe bring a little bit of that that uh, family DiMarco culture into that, you know? And then just find a buddy. Maybe you and I, man. Like, uh, what's going on in Dude. Warsaw? What's the deal with that? Like, is there, a, is there much of a, a, a veal or, or, or chicken parm sandwich? You know, what's the story in Warsaw for that? Not not really, to be honest. Like like I mean, we don't we don't we don't really do well when it comes to like you know good sandwiches. I mean, there are a couple of places that do them because you know Poland Poland is weird when it comes to sandwiches because we also eat sandwiches like on one piece of bread like not closed. Yeah, and we right. just put stuff on top of it and eat it like that with your hands. And it's like it's not you know we don't have like meatball subs and stuff like that. You'll get that, but in Subway. But I mean Subway. Come it's, on, it's, Subway. It's, it's not. Come no, on. No. Fresh yeah. baked bread, fresh, like we get, pick up the bread every morning, you know, we'll have a deal with one of the bakeries over bakeries. there. 
You know, some bop is going to be making us our bread every morning. And then you and I, baby, in a wagon, the Fleurza wagon, just driving around. Ooh. You know, and yeah. then what's hilarious is that our first stop every day at like 1130 is going to be at the CDPR building. And they'd be like, oh, my God, what are, you, I, what are you guys doing? Is this why you quit? And we're like, yeah, baby. The yeah, Fleurza buy our sandwiches in, now. Fleurza wagons <laughs> Make those in games. Town. Yeah, and we're playing like as we pull up to the building everyone knows we're coming because we don't have like a bell or anything we're just playing like the venga boys music like <laughs> the venga buses come but they can hear it from blocks away because we're blasting it and we just show nice. up and it's just this mobile party and we're and we're and we're selling sandwiches you know nice i think that's around that would be awesome just telling you i'm listen uh i've got Dude, my retirement you have so many business ideas i do um, do you want to hear Good. what my, my, one of my initial ones was that I'm actually, and I'm not kidding you, I almost, I almost like started the process of because I thought the hey, name me. was too good. Many years ago when like Uber Eats and stuff was just getting started, uh-huh. I wanted to start a very simple noodle business because I love like noodles. It was just Same. very, very simple, like a hole in the wall here in Toronto or something that you uh-huh. can go and whatever. Ultimately, what I really wanted to do was have um, a, a place called tasteful nudes and <laughs> and our delivery app was send nudes Great name. and our yeah our delivery app would have been called send nudes so that would have been basically it it's just delivery of of noodles but it would have been like n-o-o-d-s so tasteful nudes was the name of it and it was like nice. we'd have like this like classy kind of like experience that would go like, viral people dude, would enjoy that i'm so upset that i did not capitalize on this many years ago <laughs> but now i guess the fleur's a wagon i think is what what we're gonna there's uh, a wagon wow uh, our first sponsor, Blue Jeans. We're yeah. gonna be the the wagon, <laughs> like the Blue Jeans wagon, specializing oh, yeah. in, in, in sandwiches. Well, we, hey, maybe we could just kind of pair up with them. Like, we'll see. With it. You, yeah. you said you're gonna go visit them, and I, big time shout out this summer. <laughs> big time this shout summer. out on Gwen Open Number One, which is so awesome. Yeah, I had to. Of course, you did. Um, so yeah, it is eleven. Uh, episode eleven. Eleven is also the number worn by my all time favorite hockey player, uh, Finnish Finnish player. Saku Koivu was the captain That's of the Montreal That's a cool Canadian. name. Isn't it? If I ever That's got like a dog. a badass name. Saku, Sa- is, Saku Koivu. Saku is on my list of if I ever got a dog. Saku is on the short list of names. That nice. Would, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's number 11. It's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. This week we're going to talk about Open for sure because it just concluded. I'm wearing the proper attire for that. Gwen Open t-shirt. Um, we're going to... Yeah, we're going to talk about... Um, um what else so new new card draw for sure forgotten treasures that's also what we're going to talk about and the issue of rng and gwent there's no rng and gwent but is there there is actually in every card game there is rng but yeah. i remember the meme no rng and gwent when there used to be a lot of rng <laughs> uh yeah perfect all right well uh you know the you know the drill uh we've got the dagon rumor report to kick us off my friend yeah, but uh, I think after the curveball you threw, I went open, you know, about the Dagon reveal. We probably should do something else, like premium token report, maybe. How do you think about that? Well, I mean, uh, I'm not prepared. So, like, I'm not prepared for this because the Dagon rumor report is typically what we do. And I write this big, excessive, you know, excessively complicated sort of nerdy callback to some sort of fandom that I'm into about Dagon. But you're right. I guess at the, at the open, we did kind of throw people askew when i was revealing profit as the card for the gwentfinity card yeah. reveal here we are and suddenly people were like oh, it's dagon and they're like oh it's not dagon so that'll that'll count as the dagon rumor report we'll say that that was it so premium yeah. token report i suppose 
because um, people love to just ask this question week in, week out, despite the fact that we answer it week in, week out. It is, um, this is essentially the Gwent equivalent of beating a dead horse, but we're going to do it anyways, just for you, Mr. Pavel Berja. Uh, again, not prepared, but I'll do my best. All right, <clears throat> let's see what we can do. <coughs> I like premium tokens and I cannot lie. You other players can't deny that when a drone is spawned with an itty bitty strength and animations in my face, I have fun. I want to get premium tokens because I heard the community has spoken deep in CDPR tower. Those animators need more power. Oh, Burza, I want premium sirens. Hope CDPR is hiring. The community tries to pressure me, but those tokens that are premium got me so horny. Ooh, spawn some tree ants and unbuckle your pants because they move and they groove and the community will all approve. Baby got premium tokens. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. wow! We need a mic drop at the end, man. Damn, wow. beautifully delivered. Wow! Now, everyone knows my affinity for the 1990s. That is a oh callback sure. to Sir Mix a lot. Yeah, beautiful. Um, oh, you're you're welcome. Except oh. except before it was uh, big butts, right? It was big butts, but I I could <laughs> concur as well. I do also like big butts, and I cannot lie. However, uh, at this rate. Um, the premium tokens clearly take priority over everything else. That's like my favorite thing to ask people now. My my initial rebuttal to premium token questions is, okay, do you want these before or after Dagon? And, and, <laughs> and where does shit. Renfree fit, fit yeah, into that? And where does Renfree slide, Renfree slide into this whole equation? Yeah. Tell us. We'll, they, we would like to know. There you have it. Yeah, but uh, the questions about premium tokens, they're just ongoing and ongoing. And how many times, I don't even know how many times I have to answer them in order for them to, to stop just coming back. Like people just want them now. It's been 14 months. It's been 13 months. It's been this <laughs> month months. It's like, wait, they will come. They will come one day. Yeah. I just don't understand why people are like, I get it. It's a nice little thing. But I think cosmetics should should never be a priority over things like balance and content like of course ever. not and people balance say well is it is most content, important but we agree content. on that balance is most important in any card game numero uno numero uno there you have it so yeah um way back machine time yeah way back machine a little light this time but we did uh find something i did find something so in 2020 there was a change to the meteorite powder costs for transmuting cards uh so yeah this week two years ago there was a nice little revamp, and I think what they what what CDPR did, what you guys did, was you made the lower end of the spectrum for card rarity, like the commons and rares, were cheaper to create. I think, mm -hmm. but you ramped up the price for the more expensive ones. So you made yes, you made the yeah, you guys made like the, the like the legendary cards even more elusive and exclusive to get i guess sort of that was the plan yeah it, it made... and kind of changed the milling and crafting costs for them but yeah that was yeah that was actually back in april and um yeah i one thing to sorry i gotta go off i think the number one problem that we always had was how to make gwen's economy more or less good and i think we made it good but good for the player not good for the company yeah <laughs> Well, that, that in I itself... I still remember full refunds, right? Oh, full refunds is what essentially... Like, full refund Gwent for me was the equivalent of sort of buying into GameStop stock when it was, like, at the bottom. Like, that to me is what it is. You you get these cards, and then every time that there was a rework or a change, you get full refund. So I would never yeah. dust anything. And then eventually, I'm like, okay, I have, like, I have like 19 copies of, like, Griffin 
So I'll dust them all when they're full refund and feel good about it. And and that has essentially funded me. I, I'm sitting on the small fortune of 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 um of you know uh, in-game resources, and I'm not shy to say I haven't bought kegs in like three years. I buy the journey. I buy some of the cosmetics, of but I never buy cards because I don't need to. And I'm I feel guilty to a degree of you know I'm like well I'm not supporting the game like I'll buy the cosmetics because I want to I want to give CDPR some money and and you know spice up the account and everything but um it's difficult to balance this economy because in reality Gwent's economy was hands down the best and probably still is the best even after you guys toned it down and when you say that I agree. The Gwent, you know you're looking for a good Gwent economy people would argue well, like oh it was good at the beginning look look how much free stuff we got but that's not a, a it's not a um, a sustainable business model, so I, yeah. I have to ask you guys: like when you when you guys were figuring this out and sort of revamping some of it, was there ever like th like how how early on did you guys realize that you guys were just giving a, I don't say giving away too much, but that your economy was too generous? I think at the point where we before our patch players were pretty much playing the stock market saying like, okay, this card is going to get nerfed for sure. I'm going to now craft thousands of it. And then I'll, once, uh, you know, the, 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 the patch hits, like I'll be, I'll be milling the hell out of that to get full refund from it and get my money back. So they were, they were transitioning from like meteor powder to scraps from scraps to meteorite powder. And we're doing like these, uh, plays, um, which. We weren't really a fan of, so we were trying to 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 limit that to to as much as possible because um, you know we weren't really happy with it. And then we also got to a point where, you know, we did the we did the changes to the to the powder economy to for that to stop. But still, I feel like comparing us to any to any other card game that I've played that's in digital form, I think we're very 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 generous and and uh, now that I think about it not only digital form but also like paper. I play paper magic, it's super expensive. Like if you want to play the, the 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 let's say the the older formats like modern um you need at least like a thousand bucks for a good deck. 600 is like the minimum for like a burn deck. And then standard is 200, 300 bucks. And I think you can easily get something for a lot less in Gwent. Um, not having it like fully primified, but still having a very good deck. And, you know, being able to, to, to play on ladder and go quickly from a starter deck to something that is competitive and climb all, all the way to pro rank. I don't think that's something that requires, you know, a lot of work on the player side and i i've seen a lot of you know streamers and content creators just do the run do the run from you know from the bottom starting a new account all the way to the top and doing it like without you know a lot of effort on on their part so i think the economy is something that we've been going back and forth also the the fact that uh if you played in beta and then you came back to the game and everything was you know auto milled for you players that come back to the game who have left us since since beta, they come back now and then they post on Reddit from time to time. You see those posts like, just got back to the game. I got a shit ton of scraps. What am I supposed yeah, to do with do them? Do it's with like, them? well, dude, you can do whatever now. <laughs> and that's that's why, we, um, and if you've been with us since the, you know, since the beginnings of, of, of Gwent, you know, there's, there's, there's this problem with a lot of scraps, a lot of ore, and what we're trying to write now think of and, and kind of uh, get down on the live up side and on the economy side is is to find like a like a you know like a some type of like faucet that we can open 
so players actually dump all their um you know all their scraps and all their yeah. ore and stuff like that there we have the same problem with uh when it comes to you know reward points and, and keys so i think it's something that we as a company had to figure it out and it's and it's kind of trial and error back and forth because we've never had to think about you know economy in an you know online multiplayer game since I, I kind of always put it on the on the back of us being a company that specializes single player RPGs. So it's been a learning curve. And I think we've learned a lot throughout the years. And the changes that we introduced uh, in 2020 kind of solidified us um, when it comes to how much we, things should cost and how much they should mill for. So, yeah. Yeah, learning experience for sure. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, like... It, I always tell people who are like interested in the game or ask me about the economy or whatever. I'm like, you could start a new account, and if you have a plan, if you have a vit, like you know, a, a trajectory in mind of where you want to go, if your path is set in terms of what deck you want to build, you know that okay, this is this is a tier one deck. This is the deck I want to go for. If you if you take the right journey paths and use your keys correctly, and you know, get a little bit lucky in terms of like one or two kegs hitting you some of those legendaries that you need. Um, you could probably within eight hours have a tier one deck from start to finish. Easy. Like, Easy. and and people are like, "What are we talking about?" Like, I'm like, "Yeah, you'll have every card you need for a tier one deck without spending a dime in in about eight hours of gameplay." Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not talking like there's like it's not like okay, you open you use all of your gold on kegs, and if all of those golds hits you every card you need, I'm like, no, 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 you'll have a bunch of extra extra stuff too. And people are like, oh yeah. well. Every card game can can get you a, a good deck, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not talking about a good deck. I'm not talking about an incomplete deck. I'm talking about like the, I'm talking about a competitive. Yeah, deck. I'm talking about the deck that you're gonna take to Gwen Open, like that kind of level of mm -hmm. quality. You'll have all that in like eight hours of gameplay, and people are like, really? Okay, and then they hear three <laughs> they hear three rounds and no life totals, and they're like, well, I don't understand. I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. Um. <laughs> Uh, topics for today again we mentioned uh, we, we don't want to dig too deep into Gwen Open because they're uh, Gwen Finity did put out a new show called an awesome the, show yeah round an awesome four show round four round that four. you you moderate so that's pretty awesome uh, yes. you're uh, that you was are, really cool to do it was cool to do but uh, we're not going to harp too much about Gwen Open so if you guys want to go see a, a roundtable discussion I think uh, Gwen Finity puts out a show now after major tournaments called Round four, and this one, this Check one was, uh, this one was cool. Who? So just yeah, sell sell the show to the audience because I don't want to, you know, dig too deep into Gwent Open when we already have a show that was an hour of us digging into Gwent Open. Yeah, so we pretty much go through uh, everything that was happening throughout the weekend. Plus, we highlight our favorite moments, favorite plays, uh, things that you know stuck uh, in our minds after after that open and kind of going back from it. So we have, of course, you as a guest, Sealy, Shinmiri, Ryan um and me yeah well the like a, the punchki punisher is the host yeah <laughs> um yeah so Gwen Open... i was actually one thing I, I was i was gonna i was first thinking that maybe since there were so many of us the the show would be a little bit chaotic if we all started talking but i like how everybody kind of you know stood their ground and waited for others to finish in order for them to to start talking Really appreciated that because what I think that whenever we have, you know, more than two people on the show on a podcast or, or anything, it just starts to being like chaos and stuff like that. But then I remember that, you know, we all kind of know how to do on camera and in front of a mic stuff. So it's not like 
the normal meeting that you have at work with 20 people in the room and everybody shouting over each other is just more it's you know it's 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 more how to say it structured yes that's what i wanted to say yeah well we're not to you know we're professionals here. Yeah, exactly we're, we're professionals we've done this before i mean everybody on that panel is a broadcaster uh it, mm-hmm. by profession we're all paid to do what we do which is awesome and uh that like that's the thing and it's a skill like everyone else everyone who thinks that it's just easy to put on a broadcast needs to give their head a shake and you know just understand that it's not easy but yeah no i agree with you it was it was quite awesome but again everybody was very very uh snapped into that like production mode of okay the recording button's on we're all professionals pavel's in charge and just wait till you're called upon to a degree obviously there's a lot of more freewheeling and dealing but uh it was great so you guys everybody out there check it out um one we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a tease i mean i suppose of what what you could expect on the show but we talked about uh for instance some of the things that that happened which were like big moments but i also talked about the fact that i whispered some nonsense in your ear which yes. which you could not repeat so don't repeat it here because you got we, we want people I to won't. go check out the thing but exactly uh, i do pick and choose the times that i whisper nonsense in your <laughs> ear and this one was so it wasn't bad but it wasn't good but you couldn't repeat it, so it's good. I like I just, it. I just do it for the mystery. I just want you know some element of mystery there. So people are like, "What could have he, he said to him? Was it how bad was it? I want to know." And then you know they want to know. Just to- check out the show round four. Yeah, I when told Infinity you that, I, it. I told you the release date of premium tokens in your ear, and you're like, "I am yeah. not sharing this ever." Exactly. But why would I laugh though? Oh, maybe a, la- a laugh because it was <laughs> a joke. Yeah, it was, maybe <laughs> it was yeah, an evil wish. laugh. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right okay rng and gwent mr pavel Berger. i know that um ever since gwent sort of came onto the scene when i was introduced to gwent by mcbeard way long ago i was splitting time between hearthstone and gwent and my big appeal to gwent once i sort of understood the rules and how to play Mm -hmm. i was like wow there's no rng in gwent there's no or i mean limited elements to it i don't think there's Things like trebuchets or whatever that do random damage or whatever, like that sure is, but that is a calculable calculable element of RNG yeah. to a to a degree. Um, you know, it's a certain level of points that are not necessarily reliably generated or or taken from your opponent the way you want, but there's still points that you can count on occurring. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. RNG and Gwent has gone up and down, I feel like it's got its <laughs> its peaks and valleys. Uh, I think right now with some of the cards that have come out, there's a little bit more RNG, but it's not even an RNG. It's more of like these mind game style things going on, which are great. But RNG and Gwent, I feel, I know it's a meme and a lot of people are going to drop in there and be like, there's no, like as soon as like, as soon as a trebuchet hits a piece of armor and, you know, out of like a full board and it hits the only thing, an armor, I know that like all of Twitch chat just drops the no RNG and Gwent meme and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. It's like, (laughs) bad things happen and whatnot but in reality a lot of people were not there when rng and gwent was essentially the driving force of where it was bad it (laughs) it was look i i don't i would i'm not one to sugarcoat things you know me i i'm pretty raw when i have my opinions about things it was garbage and i know that that, like i say garbage look the direction of where that game was going i understand why it was going that way but i think we're enough separated from the midwinter update that that really i can maybe speak a little bit clearer in retrospect because it it was a, a direction i feel that the game was going that 
maybe was not the right uh it wasn't the right motivation i think that there was perhaps a time where these cards that came out in midwinter this the addition of create and so many cards getting create that it was almost trying to appeal to that hearthstone crowd of discovering cards and discovering cards and discovering cards now i don't know if that's true obviously i can't be in the minds of those who are trying to market and and put the direction of the game but that's certainly how it felt that the true essence of what gwent was kind of got lost in the fray of trying to broaden the appeal of the game to players from other card games who liked that kind of uh gameplay yeah uh i think you you know you hit the nail on the head uh i think it's the growing pains of gwent um and us trying to figure out what we are the problem with that was it was there were some decisions at a higher level made that we should add more randomness to the game because that's what people kind of enjoy and it is true for other card games but it never has been something that has been true for gwent like gwent never was an rng game of course you will have rng elements like the cards you draw into the cards you mulligan out and you you don't know like you don't know like this is this is rng there was also a lot of rng associated with the coin flip which was problematic which was later fixed with stratagems and we were always trying to cut the amount of randomness in the game because we've always felt that players did not enjoy this but we also felt that randomness in some games is cool because players like you know playing something and something incredible happening like i had a match with dwarves i think yesterday just after the patch where i had we had we we're on even points and then round three was ending and my last ping from one of the uh, dwarven berserkers that hits randomly just hit a unit that didn't have armor on my opponent's side and thanks to that one point i won the game so it was it was an amazing feeling, and this 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 is the feeling that we also for wanted you, to have in the game. For you, it was an amazing feeling. For me, yeah, but you know, for, not for my opponent. So we always wanted to have this element of randomness because we will not escape total. Like there is no card game that has one hundred percent guarantee that you will have everything, apart from let's say a hyper thin list that you're able to thin to the cards and draw them. And I think Gwent also does that super well. Um, I miss that aspect kind of in Magic that I feel like it's even more random with a 60-card deck in order to draw into stuff that I really, really need. Unless I keep the game going for such a long time as a control player, I'm able to draw into my win cons. So that's that's something that will go well for me. But I, in Gwent, I think it's much easier to get those win cons going. And yeah, like we've been going back and forth, back and forth kind of. And, and, and yeah, with, with the Midwinter stuff, I think... We kind of like um, were taking inspirations from the card games that were on the market at that time and saying like we should be more similar to them um, because players will enjoy that. While players told us, hell no, we do not enjoy that. We like create was something that they were going against. I remember I was also very vocal at that time talking to our designers saying like, guys, people do not want this. Like, let's stop, you know, going with the create train. Because maybe it's fun to some extent, and uh, you know it, we like the, the 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 perspective of oh my god this happened and I didn't expect it, but I would much rather play stuff and expect the outcome and have RNG kind of limited. So then we started going back to the drawing board and having these um, create options, but having them at least 
to some extent in a controlled environment where players can figure out what are the possibilities of things that they're going to get. Like we have this uh, with some of the some of the archetypes right now that you're able to kind of, you know, anticipate what you're going to get or you have this, you know, controlled RNG elements in the game, which I think is totally fine and is cool and can be used in a proper way. But if it's just fully randomized, then we're not really bringing anything unique to the table and to the game, right? Well, the argument I typically would give people about this kind of stuff and why it failed, it's like, if everybody likes RNG, like, if that's the logic behind it, then why did this particular, you know, endeavor fail for Gwent? Like, it was supposed to be... Now, stop me if I'm wrong here, but I believe uh, ahead of whatever year that was, if it was 2018 or 2017, I think it was 2017 when Midwinter, like, 2017 into 2018. Yeah, I... So stop me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that there was a very ambitious uh, promise made to the community that by the end of the year of 2017, there would be 500 cards in the card pool. At the time, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, there was like 300. So you guys had a lot of cards that you needed to, that you promised the community would drop. And they did. And forgive me for being a little bit blunt here. Some of them seemed a little bit, you know, like throw-ins. They they, they were kind of like, you know, in, in a magic set, there's draft chaff. There's, there's just cards <laughs> thrown in, in there because not, yes. that they, not that they're expected to be played, but in limited, you need something for people make to sense. put on the board, right? And yep. so that's why you had the, you know, four strength deal three damage and the three strength mm-hmm. deal four damage and that stuff. But ultimately, people, I think, boost. yeah, the, or the boost, like there was always a mirrored boost version of every damage card and stuff like that. It was like you design one card and you automatically get two because you just reverse whether it's damage or burst. Yeah. But I mean, it's a big... It's a big endeavor. I mean, you guys just dropped, what, like 18 or 20 cards, like recently? 21. 21 cards. And that in itself was a big, I won't say like a big deal, but it was, it took a lot of effort because a lot of these cards- It changed a lot. It did. But all of these cards are incredibly unique. They're incredibly impactful. They're incredibly uh, different from everything else. So putting out 21 very unique cards is, you know, versus putting out 200 where they're all kind of, a lot of them are generic or there a lot of them are create- like the create cards to me, it's like you're not creating a new you're not creating a new card. You're creating a card that that brings in an existing card. So you're like, yep. what are you really doing here? Like, is is it really a new card? Um, the other argument that I would always say is like, if why would it fail if this is what people want? Well, if this is what people want, they already have an outlet for what they want. It's called Hearthstone, and I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying it's a better or or the same game in any way. But I'm saying that people have already invested a lot of money into a game that they already know and are good at. And if they want RNG elements, they're just going to go to what they know. The people who have already dumped hundreds of dollars into a game and have a full collection are not going to waste their time with something, learning something new, spending money on something new, when they already have something that they already know and, and like. Exactly. So I'm so grateful that Gwent revamped into Homecoming and got rid of a lot of what was very problematic. RNG does slowly you know, make its way in, but like, but part of it to me, I think is, is quite nice. Like it's a controllable or interactable Mm -hmm. element of RNG, like something like the Sorcerer of Doblathana. When you play it, you more or less kind of know where, what kind of card, but your opponent can then, you know, if that, if that Sorcerer of Doblathana is sitting at six, like you boost it to six and just waiting to use the order next turn, your opponent can damage it down, back down to four and limit your, your, higher end RNG options. So I think that there's good RNG in games and there's bad RNG in games. And I think that Gwent has done a very good job of 
getting off of that train of just rolling dice and seeing what happens. And <laughs> like, but that's basically what it became yeah. through degree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Like, I think it's it's something that after um, Homecoming, we kind of like you know, there is this silent agreement agreement between the designers. Like, we have a lot of people come into the to the company, a lot of designers who who joined us since that time. Like we have Malijan, who, who you know, who used to be part of the community. We have Jean; he's he's totally new. And other guys, and the team has been growing. But I think the philosophy for the game has pretty much, you know, stuck to its core elements after after Homecoming, which is like let's not change this game into an RNG fiesta. Like let's, if we want to do some randomized uh, abilities, let's make them randomized in the sense where players can figure out like what are the possibilities. I mean. Even the modes on shoops and stuff like that, which which feel very random, right? They, you can you can anticipate like what you're gonna get out of them, right? Of course, it's more of a fun deck instead of something like super super serious, but it's still kind of you can expect like what are the possibilities of things happening, right? Oh, agreed, agreed. I think that RNG does add a layer. Like the problem I find is that a lot of these companies uh, that want to integrate RNG always it, it all it's always fed to you with a sprinkle of sugar on top of saying but it'll yeah. never be competitive but it'll never be competitive when in reality if for those of you who've ever played hearthstone in the past few years you know that casino mage is not only a very fun deck to play but a very competitive deck to play because basically no. people have done the math on it and said okay if you're playing there's this card now i when i quit hearthstone for good like many maybe about a year or two ago maybe three years ago um when i quit hearthstone for good it was partially because of the economy partially because of rng and discover mm -hmm. and all that other stuff and it was hard to get an edge on your opponent when they're constantly refilling their hand with randomly generated stuff but there was a card Amen. called like puzzle box of yogg which was a 10 cost spell that said play 10 random mage spells so you play it and then it's like so the the thing about it was as as the game got more as the game added more and more cards you're adding more and more powerful spells to the pool and more and more board clears to the pool of spells so basically you're playing this card on the hopes it's like if everything is doomed and you're screwed you're like okay i'm gonna play yogg because i have 10 shots to get one of the many board clears yeah. so you'd roll the dice and sometimes the board gets, yeah and you think and and yeah i get it it was super damn exciting because I actually started restreaming Hearthstone about three or four years ago for fun because I was like, this deck is hilariously funny. And part of it was because I'm like, not only is it ridiculous because these Yogg-Saron puzzle boxes were not legendary, you could play two of them. And it was that on top of other legendary cards. There was a legendary card that said, play it and play and it and generate and play five random spells so you had so many opportunities to just your opponent would be like putting all kinds of stuff on the board and you're like nope you just like confetti in the air and whatever the it, it touched <laughs> would die it was this this it was awesome it was like a surprise party and it, it offered a lot of fun but at the same time when it happened to you you're like why why am i working to establish a strategy and a synergy when this dude is just literally going to open this fu box and you know who knows what jumps out of it yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I I tried Hearthstone once in 2016. I remember that the randomness really like took me away from it, and I think it was because I was the person that played Magic, and I feel like Paper Magic and Magic overall has not 
I don't think it has a lot of RNG in it no. itself. Like you, you never have effects that say like play this card and spawn some random stuff. And I think in a in a physical card game, it's very hard. Apart from you know having the possibility to draw into cards and kind of see. Like I've always enjoyed in, in Magic any any type of like brainstorm effects that let you draw cards, any type of cantrip. You draw cards, you see what you drew in, and then you choose one and you put the rest on the bottom. So you're kind of anticipating, okay, I won't need these two, but I'll need this one for sure. So I need to put this in my hand and put the rest on the bottom. This also lets you go through your deck and sift through and go find stuff that you need. And I always enjoyed that aspect of it. I liked, I, I also was happy when we introduced tutor cards because I really love tutors that let you pull out, you know, the specific cards that you need uh, in a given situation. Or like you search for your tech cards that give you the the flexibility and possibility in order to um, to do cool stuff. Like I I really love Aneiromancy. Like for me, it's one of like like staples in any deck that I play because not only once but twice you're able to pretty much go and pick the card that you need on a given moment. And it's a card that uh, you have a lot of thought process behind where you need to think like, okay, do I play it now and search for the thing that I need right now, or do I wait? and use it to search for something that will counter my opponent or will be an answer to whatever he or she plays. And I love that. I love that aspect of, of any card game, like the possibility of actually go take what I need and see if it's going to work or not. Well, the, the fun part about uh, RNG in, in certain card games like Magic is that it's hard to, because you can't generate random things. You're not dealing random damage. I think the only element of RNG that I've ever seen that yeah. was like true RNG was there's certain cards that are like flip a coin, until yeah. you get tails and for each time you hit heads clone one of your you know creatures on the board or something like that which could... i forgot about the coin toss deck yeah something that... that you can have in commander <laughs> yeah but they they're they exist and but they're very fringe and uh it is what it is i think the way that rng in uh, in magic works these days are cards like for instance there's a card uh one of my favorite cards itali primal storm i don't know from ixalan it's a legendary mm -hmm. red dinosaur when it attacks it says um, both players flip over the top card of their deck and you as the attacker with the Tally Primal Storm can cast one of those two spells for free. So mm -hmm. if that card is a creature, you get a free creature. If it's a big spell, yep. you get a free big spell. So those kinds of things or things like Cascade or, or those ones that allow you to go through the deck. It's like reveal cards Cascade's until cool. you... Yeah, reveal cards until you get like a land and then yeah. play that land and exile the rest. Cascade so is actually competitive because you can build your deck around cascading into the specific uh, card that you need. There is a, there is a Cascade deck in Modern, which is like um, super competitive. It's full, four colored rhinos and pretty much you need to cascade into a spell that lets you create rhino tokens. And you will always cascade into it. So it's, it's, like, a, it's like a guaranteed. And this is what I like about card game design. Like, randomness but kind of if you build the deck around it you can you can get this it's like uh, our new design for golden necker right golden necker is something that when you read it or like oh god this is super random but then when you think about it it depends how you build your deck you can build your deck around the card and then it becomes less random so but still it's fun to play and uh, i've seen that lionheart is uh, i think he was streaming me and, and double necker um decks and he, he enjoyed it so i i feel like it has this um because we also need to think about it from from like the viewer standpoint of course you need to think about esports which is a huge element in gwen but you also need to think about the viewership and kind of you know having fun like you said you were streaming uh hearthstone because that casino deck was just so fun that it was an entertainment uh aspect to it of watching that and people love that i also always say that 
people come to my streams because they want to see my misplays or my suboptimal <laughs> plays or some weird cards that I put in my deck like Pafco Gale because just, just for the fun of it because I'm kind of obliged to. And I do it and I think they appreciate it more instead of you know, having like the best cookie cutter player just going in and destroying all the time because they know every possibility. Like, oh, if I pink here and do this, I'll come out even, blah, blah, blah. And they do this like, you know, 2000 IQ plays and stuff like that. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember when I was streaming those, it was like some of the people who had watched me stream Hearthstone had no idea what was going on because they'd watch me play Gwent typically, but they knew the box. And there was an emote and a sound bite that I would have on the stream uh, of people like going, the box, the box. We need the box. <laughs> and then um, it was just, it's fantastic because like whenever I would draw it, the whole chat would cheer and they'd be like, do it, do it now, 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 now. I'm <laughs> like, no, it makes no sense to do it now. We're not going to, like, because the it could kill my board. Like, we don't want that to happen. So um, it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it makes for good TV, but ultimately from a pr the perspective of just like making for good gameplay and staying true to the nature of what you guys want to do, yeah. it's got to be, controlled to a degree and the way that it's occurring now i think is the correct way it's very uh digestible but and and it's it's kind of like the rng and gwent to a degree is like a canoe going down like a a, a river you know you could kind of direct which way it's going but ultimately you're at the whims of where it wants to take you but you can kind of exactly you can kind of steer it to a degree you can lean it one way or another but at the end of the day you're not you're not in charge it's something yeah. it's something else um so uh, i mean yeah. why do people enjoy keg openings and pack openings the most why do they enjoy that aspect of it because you don't know what you're gonna get like i i still see like whenever we have patched and people start opening kegs and, and and there's people in chat kind of sitting and waiting and kind of predicting what are the possibilities it's a whole game by itself, and and that's that's random. You don't know what you're gonna get. Like you 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 of course know that if you open a certain amount of things, you are more likely to get a legendary, for example. And and I think this is something that any card game has that you know this has this uh, thing called the PD timer that is pretty much gonna say that okay, if this person has opened so many uh, kegs or so many packs and hasn't drawn into anything good, that they are guaranteed to get something, and that of course applies um, to everything, but you have this you have this one thing in, in card games that people are always drawn to is like, oh, oh, open some packs, let's see what you're gonna get, or let's predict what he or she might get. And and I like that. I mean, the feeling of opening a pack and getting into some cool cards is always amazing. Like, I mean, I still um like like to check out on YouTube, there's this uh, big Pokemon streamer like Leon Hart, right? Uh, don't confuse with Lionheart, Leonhart. Um, and he is well known for opening old, also vintage, but also new packs of Pokemon cards and seeing which cards he can draw into and like predicting like, okay, opening, sifting through, like he always like, he knows where the legendary card is. So he always puts it on the bottom. So it's the last card that he shows and he keeps on going. So I got this and this and this and this and that. And then if he gets a foil, he goes crazy. And then, you know, people go crazy in the comments. And then he sends the cards to be graded. Uh, the cards come back from grading. And, you know, b based off of that, he kind of makes his own big collection. Like there was this um, one episode of... Um, how you call those? How you call that place where you go and you sell stuff and you get money for it? A pawn shop. Pawn shop, exactly. Like a Pawn Stars um, uh, episode where 
a guy came in with his collection of like Pokemon cards and they saw that he had like graded mint Charizards that were worth thousands and thousands and the guy didn't sell at the end because he they they were wanting they were willing to give him less money than he thought the collection was worth. And yeah, he also did some collaborations with them. And this thing, this this is also a randomness aspect of any card game. Like you don't know what you're gonna get when you open a booster pack. And it's fun. It's fun. It's 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 what we kind of, you know, it is cord cold like cardboard crack for a reason. Like yeah. it is has this aspect of you don't know what you're gonna get. So I'm gonna show you something. I mean, but let's not have it in the gameplay. Let's have it more in the you know see exactly <laughs> so these here flesh and blood these here are go. cases sealed cases in each one of these is four uh four sealed boxes um i have a sealed case of every set that's ever come out for flesh and blood right over there here now the reason is as part of it, it's like it's investment um i have yep. the collection but you know how hard it is for me not to just open these when i'm bored i know you know how hard i have i have like I don't know how many cases I got, like six cases or something right here. Now, every time a new set comes out, um, every time a new set comes out, I buy typically two cases, one to open for my collection and get cards and the one to keep for whatever. But also, like, I keep them yeah. there because if ever, like, when pandemic is whatever or if my, like, flesh and blood channel gets bigger or whatever, like, you do drafts with them, you do contests. I've done giveaways. I've given cards and packs and boxes away and stuff like that. And that's part of it. But... Man, is it hard not to just sit there and open, you know, like the 25 boxes I've got sitting right next to me just to... Yeah, it's tempting, right? It's dangerous. I have, I have also a couple boxes of uh, of some magic sets that I just keep, but I keep them mainly if we do like a draft and at work, for example, or uh, like a draft with friends or something like that. Or if I'm pretty much, you know, uh, having a down day and just want to open some packs and see if I can get into something, but I always like to keep it for draft more or less. But yeah, it's it's tempting to open those because you want to see what you're going to get. Maybe you're going to hit a couple cards that are worth, you know, a couple hundred bucks and yeah. then you're, you know, it's a, it's an investment and I'm I'm, you know, I also like I I have a couple like graded Pokemon cards. I have like two Charizards which I keep like one is base set, one is um I think uh, later like 2011 which is like a 9, the other one is an 8 and I just keep them because I know that it's like a return on investment in a, yeah. in a couple of years because Pokemon cards went very, very high up once they had their 25th anniversary and they will start like going even higher once they have their 30th anniversary and then the the one after that and stuff like that. Well, it's just, it's an investment, but apart from that, it's also like, I keep it out of nostalgia too. Well, part because of it is, I played, yeah, it's I played Pokemon as a kid, right? I, and I have the same thing with magic cards. Like I have some magic cards or some versions of cards that I bought specifically for the fact that you know, I know I had them as a kid and I just want to have them, you know, in my collection. That was me with comic books. And I remember having discussions with people who thought I was crazy. And I mean, like to me at the time, I wasn't buying comic books because I was thinking that I was, you know, in 30 or 40 years, I'm going to be retiring off this stuff. But like in my t early 20s, I spent a lot of money on comic books. I was making a lot of money because I was bartending. But at the same time, a lot of that money was flipped into comic books. And I remember buying i remember i bought a uh, a lot from a, a friend of mine who was like getting rid of their their stuff and he's like look mm -hmm. I've, I've saved some pieces for you that i thought you'd like and i knew that you'd appreciate them um one of them was um like a, a comic from like maybe like the late 60s uh, or early 70s a spider-man one which was the first appearance of the rhino um Ooh. another one was uh 
Fantastic Four number 52, which was the first appearance of the Black Panther uh, from, I think, also the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. And it's graded as an 8.0. And when I bought it, I bought three comic books from this guy for $100. And that, that, um, that comic, the Fantastic Four number 52, first, edition, first appearance of Black Panther, currently is selling for about four to $5,000. No, so no, it's like it, they are Thank investments. Thank you, Marvel movies. <laughs> well, no, no shit. Like when when Black Panther was announced as a Marvel movie coming out, I was looking at that comic. I was like, Mwah! like yes, yeah. <laughs> like absolutely, let's go. Uh, but yeah, again, owning cards for investments, and this all stemmed from the RNG of opening packs because you, you will not. It's it's common. It's a common fallacy that if the best way to make a collection is to open boxes, it's not. It's to Buy singles. Buy singles is the best way you can do it. If you think you're like, wow, I'm going to buy four four copies of this card for my deck and they're like $10 a piece, like $40, it's half a box. I'm like, okay, you're going to buy a box, get maybe one copy yeah. <laughs> and then... And or then, zero. Or zero and then feel absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah, singles are definitely the way to go. Um, Singles have always been the way to go if you're into paper card games. Like if you want to build a competitive deck... You need to buy singles, and there, that's why there's a whole marketplace uh, that you can go to, and uh, you have sellers from all around the world selling their cards and collections, and people buying them because you can get some good stuff on a good price, and just you know add it to your deck and build that deck that you're dreaming about, and then you know you finish that project, and then you move on to the next deck, and then the next one, and then the next one, and it never ends. And yeah, it <laughs> that's never the ends. that's the beauty of card games. <laughs> never ends. That's why I'm very happy that I'm good friends with the uh, alias v because when it comes to magic stuff if ever there's like a copy of a random card that's come out in the past 10 years that i need i'm like hey do you have a copy of whatever she's like yep and she's like here you go i'm like Woo! easy it's very rare that that happens usually she's the one volunteering stuff she's so good she's like uh my two commander lists are i have a selesnia angels list and mm-hmm. i have a mono black zombies list so whenever she gets opens new cards and there's like something that she thinks would be good for my my two commander lists. She'll put them aside and she'll give them to me. So she's super, super awesome like that. Um, she's awesome. She is she's awesome. awesome. That's that's really thoughtful. It is. Uh, but what wasn't thoughtful was moving away from me and leaving me here. <laughs> Once again, you have to mention that, all right? Yeah, uh, it's all about me. It left it, a mark on you. It did. Um, all right. <laughs> before we go to the q and I have one cue for you about RNG. Fire. Is that do you, do you think or do you know that there will be m- more elements of RNG sort of integrated into Gwent, or have you found that that balance where you guys are happy with it? I think yes and no. RNG to a limited extent, I feel like it is something that that we want to do because we want to play around with new card abilities and like you can tell, you can tell by the last twenty one, like the last set that we had recently, the twenty one cards, like you can tell that the designers had a lot of fun in designing these cards. Like they could do things which are a little bit more crazy. We've gone all the way past uh, the times where Gwent was the boost and damage game. We now can have more depth, more cool, uh, cool design stuff. And I feel like We'll always try to keep that balance. Have some wacky stuff, which is more like towards Golden Necker, let's say, and then more stuff like I don't know, having like a like Vile, for example, or Forbidden Knowledge, which lets you just boost something. And but it's but it's still an awesome legendary um, artifact, which is a gold, and you play it and you get and you get to boost something. I love that card, and I think a lot of people are seeing that the potential of that. And there, you know, cards which are 
less RNG, more adding depth to the gameplay and to the sequencing and to the things that you can do within the game. And then also having a little bit of fun with, with, with a little bit of RNG, but keeping RNG to a minimum uh, because we need to bear in mind that we want this game to be fun to play uh, and we want it to be competitive and we don't want to go back to whatever happened um, with the midwinter update, which was, which was like, you know, us shooting ourselves in the knee pretty much and running while running a marathon and then trying to get to the finish line. <laughs> Just add extra layers. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, that has been our discussion about RNG in card games and in Gwent specifically. Um, if you have comments or questions, you can always ask us because we got questions this week, Mr. Pavel Berger. So, oh, yes. Time for the mailbag right after this message from, well, nobody, but we're going to toss it in here anyways. Uh, who's the mess? Who's our chief sponsor right now? Blue Jeans, Blue Jeans Sink Dinesk, Blue Jeans Bar. Use the code FLURSA15 or just go to Blue Jeans in, 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 in Gdańsk uh, to the bar and say that Mateusz from Canada has sent you over and then you, they will probably hook you up with all the good stuff or they will punch you in the face or say like, who the hell are you <laughs> oh and who the hell is Mateusz from Canada? <laughs> it keeps getting more and more keeps getting more and more violent it, it started off with look at you funny then it went to like they'll ask you to leave and now it's just straight shot just crossed yeah. right across the jaw all I right i think i think based on our viewer base um i think there's just more and more people coming there and i think someone will show them the video one day and they'll be like so those are the people responsible for it and you know we're in poland they can find me easily so um more than happy to talk about the sponsor sponsorship uh, opportunities but yeah that's our sponsor for now um, if you want to sponsor us, let us know, like reach, reach out. We're I'm honestly, happy to, you know, so I still have a, I, I have a coffee sponsorship for my flesh and blood stuff. I'm going to talk to the guy and ask him if he's okay. If I, if we did like a, a fun ad for, uh, for this show, if he wants to be a totally know, dual sponsor, we'll see. I'll talk to him. All right, friends. Uh, right after this, the mailbag. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the mailback where we answer your questions coming in through Reddit and Twitter. And uh, here's our first question. Thanos did right is, is the name of, uh, <laughs> I of love this it. person. Uh, you will enjoy that. I know. Uh, is there any chance for in-person world masters? Dum, dum, dum. Uh, I mean, look, I've, I think I, I, I message you or Vlad easily once a month about this, about, you know, Things are honestly constantly in flux in terms of like where the pandemic's at and uh, everybody's right now, at least here in Canada, I don't know about everywhere else, but like the governments here have sort of taken a very hard, they, they took a very hard approach in terms of locking things down and being very cautious. But I think that they've sort of crossed into this mode of like, you know what, we can't do this, can't do this anymore. Like we can't do it anymore. Same now, whether here. you agree or disagree with that, obviously the the virus is still out there there's like here in canada they're talking about an, another wave of it and another strain and you know but the good news is is that the strains are are, are a lot less devastating to the body but they're mm -hmm. still as as if not more contagious so it's like especially if you're vaccinated right yeah i mean get vaccinated that's like the first thing definitely to help i'm triple vaxxed and you know i've Same. i've traveled a ton i've actually i've traveled to the states multiple times in the past year and i've been out there with masks on and everything but i've been out there in large crowds uh for various events and tested negative every time 
Now, what does that say? Does it say that the virus is gone? No, because it's not. It just means that I've been protective and cautious. But, you know, I think every every month or two, I'm constantly asking Vlad or you for an update about what the prospects are of having one of these in person. And the answer I typically get is as soon as it's safe and as soon as it's possible, that's the plan. Yep. So is there a chance for World Masters? World Masters would be what, in de- December, I guess? December, yes. I mean, there's something that we also, like me, Repek, the rest of the team, they want it to happen. Like the, because if you, if you remember correctly, this is something that we mentioned also on previous episodes. Like before we went into this whole COVID-19, we were supposed to do the World Masters in person where you were all flying in almost. And when you had to stop like last moment and we want that world masters back, like we had, we had everything planned. We had assets ready and we had like a whole production team behind it. Um, that is not our internal production team, but I'm only afraid of the fact that we've been doing so well on the production side, maybe apart from some technical difficulties that we have um, on the tournaments, like we had on, on Saturday, speaking of open, um, that we, we've been doing it so well that, you know, they'll look at it like, hmm, maybe we should keep on doing them, you know, this way because, you know, the guys are doing such a good job and, you know, it's less cost when it comes to flying people over and, you know, and uh, getting players here. Well, I feel like if you're doing esports and Vlad also, I feel, um, feels the same and, and Repek and the rest of the team is the fact that if you're doing esports, you should do them in person. Like it cuts a lot of technical stuff out and makes the whole experience much easier. And it's, it's simple things like, you know, uh, Players connect in instantly because they're sitting next to, like, you know, in front of each other, having casters in place and letting them know that, okay, guys, this is working, this is not working, or, you know, having the possibility of not waiting for someone to connect or, you know, you know, it's, it's more better doing it in person. The production value is also better. Like you can set up multiple cameras for different shots. You can do a lot of, a lot of, lot of cool stuff, uh, just on that end of it. And I think just uh, the sheer element of having everyone come together and, you know, be in the studio, get to meet uh, the developers behind the game, get to talk in person and hang out with the players, the casters. And I, I love that. I miss that. And I feel like everybody loves and misses that. So I think the future is at least to have at least World Masters as the in-person event. And then thinking how we do opens but i would love this this one in december to to happen but it's a decision that will probably come come straight from from vlad and also will be discussed and between us the 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 esports team let's say yeah like uh it's obviously a point of selfishness for someone like myself who's like yeah absolutely like uh i want them all to be in person because i get to a trip to warsaw and get to hang out with my friends and do what i love like obviously for me but I will say this, I mean, I've, I've done several Flesh and Blood events in person, and it is absolutely a different and better feel when, from my perspective as a broadcaster, when I can play off of and take visual cues from my co-caster, because like when Shinmiri and I do it, I don't see him, I'm staring yeah. at the screen of the game that's occurring, so I can't tell what his reactions are, getting a little bit of those cues, so it's a lot more difficult for myself as a broadcaster to 
to have a smooth or create a smooth experience where we're not talking over each other, we're not trying to interrupt each other, we're not trying to, because typically like in reality, when I'm casting in person, if somebody wants to say something, they'll usually just like, they'll, and I do this the same, it's like, I'll put my hand like, I'll either like put my hand on their like on their arm like to say like okay yeah. I got something to say which allows them to know that I need to say something but also allows them an opportunity to wrap up their thoughts so that they can give mm -hmm. me a, an idea to go but when it's just myself or Shinmiri and we don't have that opportunity to even see each other I can't even like put my hand up and like wave or say like hey I got to say something like so if from a product perspective it's always better and trust me Thanos did right like I I absolutely <laughs> want this to happen I would if there was a tournament tomorrow, I'd be on a plane in the next two hours and, and be there in a, in a heartbeat. But it's so the, I guess to answer the question, Pavel, is there a chance? I guess that the answer is yes, obviously. Yeah. And it's you're not saying like, there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that. there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to go full Lloyd Christmas on this one and say that, yep. yes, there's there's a chance. Absolutely. Always. Um, the Magic Carp Tamer saying oh yeah, nice name there's a pokemon term for you Magikarp's awesome I, and and people never take magic up for granted but it turns into gallardos i mean take that into take yeah. that into granted <laughs> there, there's never been more of a pain in the ass than trying to upgrade your or, or level up your Magikarp into a gyarados because curp, curp, curp. typically <laughs> you're like going through all the bushes with Magikarp as your first pokemon and the first thing you do is swap him out so he could he could uh share some of the xp with the whoever that's beats what i always did you had to always yeah. since the first pokemon game always magic carp always wanted to get into gallardus gallardus and hyper beam amazing amazing uh, all right so the question here is considering that the new cards involve a lot of mind games and calculations how do you think the community will react in the long term are these auto includes or short-term gimmicks great work on the show and the last open really excited to see y'all at the next tournament so uh, that is the question from magic carp tamer Ooh uh whew. it's hard to say it's hard to judge after what one day <laughs> yeah. of the patch well it depends you can but go I... on reddit and see people again dropping their like i'm leaving this game forever it's like okay yeah. relax calm down yeah i mean it, it's it's hard to say but i think some cards from the set will become staples and i feel like they are here to stay while some maybe might be a little bit overtuned and might need um some some small tweaking along the lines but i feel like they will have an impact of how we play the game and i feel like they will um leave a mark in a positive way on the game because i've i've already seen like the initial feedback um which i was sharing with the team after you know after the the launch day and and people are enjoying some cards and they're also saying that some cards are you know something that requires maybe some afterthought and balancing and those things were already like passing on to to the developer uh team so f to the balance team and they're like fully fully aware like the, the things that we flagged for them so i feel like they will be looking into stuff just to be 100 percent sure but they also will be like when they design these cards they thought like they will have an impact and i also know when we're doing like closed uh, tests and stuff like that they're like there were 
some uh, some feedback coming in from 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 the testing team saying like, okay, well, you know, this will this will probably uh, either perf- like it will either perform well or it will overperform, and based off of that, we'll need to decide how to how to proceed further and uh, you know what to what to do with them. I hopefully we don't run into any um cards which you know become like gameplay breaking stuff like that so we'll see we'll see like what's what the next couple weeks will bring um i've already seen that um traveling priestess is something that people are kind of targeting uh we'll see how that card performs but um yeah i mean um that's like that's card that we see like that is performing super well but we've also seen um before open that the waylay uh, elf deck was 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 you know was overperforming uh, in some specific ranks, especially the higher ones, because that's also where we look into. We look into lower and higher, and also like the the play where are the players playing in the middle. And um, well, pretty much you know we we didn't have anything stand out to to such a level where it was like you know this this needs to be addressed with a hot fix. So hopefully we can we can keep that going. So yeah. yeah. That's my answer. Oh uh, yeah, gimmicks and such like that. Like the, the the problem with gimmick cards is that they're usually introduced as kind of like okay, like this can be functional in like a very fringe style deck and whatever. But the worst thing that can happen is like these weird gimmicky cards become just powerful in in multiple different variants, and then they become problematic because like the whole create thing. Just not to harp back on what we were talked about in the first segment, but like the whole create element was supposed to be you know, the randomness was supposed to curtail the power level of the card. It was supposed to diminish mm-hmm. the power level. Like, you're trading a high ceiling for less reliability, and in reality, that wasn't the case. So, um, to answer the question, would these, would the, how will they react, and how would the community react in the long term? I think that, I think that the cards will definitely see play, and if some of these cards create poor experiences or they're in way too many different decks then the balance team is going to address it so i think that you're it's going to take some time to just sort of flesh out the true power level of some of these quote-unquote gimmicks but in reality what is a gimmick a gimmick is something that should have success in a very small margin of situations and if those small margins of situations turn out to be you know digestible or viable then that's fine but if that if they're if they're if a card is good in multiple things, it's no longer really a gimmick. Like Sunset Wanderers yeah. to me felt to a degree like a gimmick. And then it just started popping up in so many different lists. It was like an auto include where it eventually Playable. got addressed. Right. So yeah, that's my feelings. Yeah. I hope uh, we have cards like once again, we'll mention Golden Necker that make it and, and are here to stay because um, it's, it's, it's a card that is themed after a project that we're working on. So, I mean, it would be nice if it was here to stay and people enjoyed it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that, I think that answers the question. That's a good answer. All right. Next one by T. Laliet. Probably, I don't know if I did, did a good job. Let us know. You always if do I, a good if job. I pronounced it properly. Um, what was the inspiration to limit the rows to just two as opposed to three, like in The Witcher 3? Also, when was the last time you've played Witcher 3, Gwent? Well, I've never played Witcher 3, Gwent, so I'll answer that part. So the last time I've played it was never. So that, that, that answers that. You can, you can definitely answer the first part. 
Um, the inspiration here was that we wanted to introduce abilities that would correspond to the the two rows. I think it's something that you saw initially after um, after homecoming. Yes, after homecoming, where we reduced the rows to two. And um, that we wanted to have cards, which, you know, if you play them on a specific row, uh, the positioning of the update, which came out after that, something that we kind of talked about. So we wanted to have more, more stuff that was, you know, more cards which were designed to correspond with the rows. Um, why not three? I think we wanted to also add the aspect of the amount of cards you could fit and how you played in order not to, you know, because you, you couldn't, with three rows, you could play to such an extent where you were able to fill, like you wouldn't be able to fill up all three rows. And with only two and the row limit added to it, you were kind of limited to the number of cards that you can play. So I feel like also like one is the design behind it and design behind the cards, plus the fact of, you know, um, adding another gameplay element in terms of like having cards which are restricted to only two rows. And the last time I've played Witcher 3 Gwent, uh, I really didn't play it in Witcher 3 itself uh, back in 2015. I think I tried it once there, but wasn't something that I really got into. And then I recently, I was replaying Blood and Wine and I played a little bit of Gwent just to kind of see what's the hype about and kind of go back to it. And to be quite frank, I played a couple matches and I was like... Why do people like this so much? It's kind of boring compared to what we have with with Gwen right now. So that's my take. That's my take on it. I like it. That's uh that that works out. Uh, Tamaria ninety six from Reddit asks: Whenever I need to go in front of a camera, I spend a solid hour overthinking my outfit. How is it the two of you? Uh, how is it for the two of you with your great outfits? Do you just put on whatever and don't think about it, or how does that go for you? <sighs> on a daily basis <laughs> does dominica dress you <laughs> it's like no you wake I, up and, no. and the clothes are laid out on the bed <laughs> no 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 no. i'm not i'm not i'm not not one of those guys um on a daily basis i just throw on whatever i feel comfortable in um and that is kind of you know that is kind of my my go-to like t-shirt hoodie jeans shoes socks and stuff like that and underwear that I just choose based off of what I'm feeling like I like I want to wear on that given day. Um, when it comes to uh, being in front of the camera, when it comes to streaming, I always try to have something that is connected to The Witcher or Gwent or Cyberpunk in this case, because uh, working for the company, I am able to get some uh, cool clothing for free, which I can use for 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 the broadcast or for the recordings that we do. And I try to always have those so people kind of when they ask me like, "Where'd you get that T-shirt from?" Well, it's available in our one of our stores, for example. Or I just got it because you know I'm I'm working for the Gwen team, and this was a special T-shirt for a special launch. Like I, Jason used to have this uh, tradition that whenever we launched an expansion. Uh, the team members would get a cool t-shirt with saying like Gwen team on the back and Crimson Curse or Novigrad or uh, when we had um, we have one with Alzer in the front and like we have these open ones which were kind of given to players but also we had uh, as a production team so these are kind of things that um, you know they're just fun and I think they have an interesting story behind it and this is something that I will wear on a daily basis 
But when it comes to uh, being in front of a camera on an Open or World Masters, uh, previously we had a stylist come in to help us with pretty much you know styling everything that we want to wear. We've me and Flake we've mentioned this numerous times. And now what I have, what we have is uh, we have a person that works for the event team, and she kind of comes up with some cool ideas when it comes to you know shirt and jacket combos. I also sometimes just send over stuff that I like because it's flashy, it's cool, and I'm not afraid of wearing something that might be a little bit funky, crazy, and um, because I think if you're doing a live broadcast of like an esports event, I think if you look at what other hosts on esports have done, they they dye their hair multiple colors, they wear funny jackets, and it kind of reflects their personality, but also is something that people will discuss because it is something that people will discuss because it's a question here. Plus, um, whenever we have any pre-tournament bingos or, or, or people are expecting what, what's going to happen. They also always talk about clothing and clothing is, is one of the aspects of it. So, um, so yeah, we get, we get outside help and um, it's really cool to work with a stylist for at least a little bit, because when you get to talk to this person, he or she will tell you like, this works well with this, or this works, this doesn't go well together. Or whenever you wear this, there's, here's a simple trick. Like when you use this color, try to go for something that has a different color. Like they tell you all these ins and outs and this kind of secret knowledge that they have. Um, and then like I, funny example, like when we were getting married last year, I went to the stylist that stylized everything for me for opens, challengers and masters. And I went to her, I'm like, I need you to come up with something cool for my wedding. I have no idea. I don't want to be the guy that comes out with the, you know, with the same clothing that everybody, I want something different. And she's like, how do you feel about white? I'm like, white? No, I ain't going, I ain't going dressed in white. But if it's like off white, like dirty white, uh, yeah, maybe let's try it. And she just sent me a couple of links of stuff and saying like, order these things, put them on. And I order these things, I put them on. And they, one thing, they fit perfectly. The second, like, apart from the jacket was a little bit too big, but then she was like, I have a tailor that can come in and kind of fix that for you. So it's like, fits you perfectly. I was like, damn, that's really cool. So got that fitted and spent like minimal amounts of money on that because I bought everything on sale. And nice. based off of the links that she sent me of like the color of the shirt, the color of like uh, the handkerchief thingy that you put here and, and like from stuff like accessories, like the glasses or the belt and stuff like that. Like she put it all together. I'm like, how is this even going to go work like together? How is this going to work? And I put it on my like, shit. This works. This works perfectly. <laughs> like the green and the white works so well. And it fits the venue that we have. And it's like, these people have some type of, I don't know, some forbidden knowledge. But then, <laughs> you know, you, you go to the store and you start buying things based off of some, you know, stylized things that you had or some pointers you got from the stylist. And then you're like, okay, now I know what I'm doing, right? So you've kind of get the instruction to, to good clothing. Well, what about you, my friend? Oh, me, dude. That's like, uh, uh, all right, uh, underwear, whatever. Uh, T-shirt, it's like, I've got like 10 that, are, that I really like. And the rest are just like, if once I'm through those 10 and I, if I haven't done laundry, I usually do laundry like every two weeks, like, and just do it for the, the whole two weeks. I did it yesterday. So I'm like fresh and clean, like, let's go. But you could tell like towards the end of the week, I'm getting to those socks with the holes in them. And you know, like the underwear that doesn't 
kind of chafes a little bit, you know? So, <laughs> but like, I think they're asking more so in terms of, you know, for these events. And I mean, it's different because the events that we did in person, we have somebody to dress us and whatever. But now I'm on my own, man. Like, I don't have an adult to dress me in. That's like, <laughs> you, you mentioned that that's not you, but holy Moses, if I, if I just woke up and like, they're like, this is what you're wearing. I'd be like, one less decision to make. Sounds good to me. Um, but for me, honestly, like, I have like two or three sport coats, so I'll wear those. This particular past weekend, I literally used the exact same clothes that I used for the Flesh and Blood event that I cast like a couple weeks ago. I had the two shirts, so I'm like, those are ready to go. And I had the blazer that I used for them. I'm like, those worked for it that event. Great, by the so, way. That's it. So I'm like, I'll just use these. Fun fact about that: I wasn't supposed to cast that event. I was supposed to play in that major event. And the night before, at about 11 p.m., the night before the event, I get a call while I wasn't, I was on the road. I was driving to Indianapolis. Uh, I had pit, made a pit stop in Buffalo, New York to meet up with a friend. And that night, I was supposed to sleep there and wake up at 1.30 in the morning to make my eight-hour drive to Indianapolis. I get the call the night before from somebody saying, what clothes did you bring? And I'm like, I don't know, jeans, a t-shirt, whatever. They're like, all right, we need you to cast. I said, yeah, I'm in, uh, but you know, I don't have clothing for it. So they're like, do your best. So on the way there, I stopped at like TJ Maxx and spent like that. Those two shirts that I had were like $22 together. Like I just nice. went, discount rack, Bapcha Barisha special. Absolutely. Go straight for the straight for the rack with the red tags on them. Do the it. Stickers, discount, clearance. I'm no fool. Yeah, it was the best like twenty. Yeah, you can 20. get really good stuff on clearance, and you should be yeah. you should be doing that. Like those two shirts, uh, just, just yeah, Th those two shirts. They clearance, work. absolutely They're awesome. So that's that's basically how it goes. I mean, there's nothing really. Uh, to me, I like wearing like a t-shirt with a blazer over it, but uh, you know, for certain events, it's you need to be a little bit. You need a collar, yep. a little button up. So that's, I hope that answers that question. Yeah, a, a t-shirt and a and a and a blazer or a jacket is super comfortable and super nice. It's but below the waist, that, gym yeah. shorts, gym shorts, <laughs> and sometimes just bare feet. Like legit, that's how it goes. Like the top half, and you'll see this. Like even remote interviews on like CNN. If there's like an expert, if they get up, they're they're wearing gym shorts. They just yeah. That's that's the new that's the new uh like basically save half price on your formal wear. If you're dude, it, like since since the pandemic hit, like we've been rocking like sweatpants throughout, you know, or it's either it's either that or, or gym shorts if it's summertime. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, like you don't you don't want to be uncomfortable when you're sitting for X amount of hours. Like you won't be sitting, you know, in like your your best jeans and uh, your best shirts and stuff like that. You just want to be comfortable. Like you would pretty much, you know, roam around the house. Like you don't. It, it kind of also takes away the aspect of thinking like what you're gonna wear to work because you're working remotely so you can wear whatever you want and nobody will give a damn right yeah dude if i had the ass for lululemon yoga pants <laughs> just invest lululemon's invest. great company by the way oh no. god i'm a i'm a fan in many ways of lululemon. <laughs> um okay next question <laughs> Um, this is an interesting one. Will Gwent have a roadmap that will lead to the next Witcher installment and possibly have a rework, or will Gwent in its current state end before we see the next Witcher game? Well, that's that's a morbid ending. Yeah, um, I, I I I forgot about this the the 
second part of that question. <laughs> First of all, nobody ever confirmed in any way if Gwent is going to be in the next Witcher game or if it will not be there. So, like, first you would need to get that question out of the way. And the answer is, I don't know. Um, and that's the truth of it. And I don't think, like, you, 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 you have to keep Gwent as Gwent the Witcher card game, the multiplayer game, out of whatever, like, out of whatever is happening with the next Witcher installment or whatever. Like, look at it like it is right now. Gwent... Witcher 3, can you compare those two things? No, they're two different games. And I would kind of leave to that mindset that, you know, we also had a question, I think, last week, where it was, do you think that Gwent should be in the next Witcher game? And we all, like, both of us agreed that no, because we want Gwent to be its own thing and stand on its own two feet and not be compared to any type of uh, game and any type of single player RPG. So we want to do our own thing and kind of not be compared to anything else. So I know we still get compared a lot to uh, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt that went there, but I think as a card game, we've evolved beyond that. And I think we're a lot more than what Gwent was in The Witcher 3. And I think comparing it to that is kind of doing a, a lot of like this, like, you know, it's not justified to what the game is right now and, and how it plays and how much work actually went into it and how much, you know, blood, sweat and tears and decision making, good and bad decisions, of course. Um, you know, like it's it would be detrimental to to to, to compare these two things. So um yeah, when it comes to, to 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 the game, its health and its growth and stuff like that, uh, I can tell you because there were questions: Is, is the game dead? No, it's not dead. Uh, there were questions: If uh, Golden Necker is something that is dead because we haven't heard about it? No, it's not dead. It's still it's still happening this year. So, yeah, um, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we have to bear in mind that you know this is a card game, which is from a company who specializes in single player. RPGs mainly, but also, you know, we did this for a reason because people were asking for Gwen to, to become a standalone game. And when it comes to its future, it's all kind of going to be based on how the game performs and how, uh, how, how, how the player base will look like and if people will be buying stuff and will be, uh, you know, a lot of things kind of factor into this and it's more of a high level business decision if anything ever happens to the game and not something that I think you or me can just answer like that uh, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe people will stop playing card games and there will be any. And we've seen the card game market kind of go up and down. We've seen a lot of card games come in, a lot of card games, you know, fizzle out and disappear. And we're still here. And, we're, and I think we're, we're on a good trajectory. Um, we've seen some uh, content creators come back, not only leave uh, Gwent. So uh, yeah, let's let's keep the. I saw uh, Sir Pumpkin playing Gwent today. So I mean, that's a good sign. Maybe. Well, a good it's sign. a omen I mean, of good times. Yeah. Again, but uh, in the in the same in the same broad stroke, there's also you know again one person decides that they don't want to play the game anymore, and then everyone just decides that the entire future of the game is tethered to that person's <laughs> YouTube channel. It's like, well, relax. Uh, They're connected. That's correct. Uh, will Gwent have a roadmap? Like, uh, the thing about it is that I don't think... So, first of all, the thing, and possibly a rework. Why rework it? Why? Like, why is everyone... The, the community, I feel, like they are so freaking horny for reworks. It's ridiculous. Like, everything uh, Nobody needs likes them in the end. Nobody well, likes reworks in the end. Because like, if you... Th 
take everything and you like we've even learned that if you take something and you flip it over on its head it's not gonna be the same thing and people are like oh man i have to figure out all these cars i won't be bothered i'm out and we had this we had this just after homecoming where people were like I need to learn everything once again. And then we did an update where we also like started, you know, making this game not a not a boost and damage game. And people were like, oh my God, I need to learn new stuff. And then, you know, I think we're at a point where where you can safely play the game and not have this aspect of I need to like relearn everything. Like you can just play it and everything will be fine. So Let's I, keep that. Let's keep that going. Yeah, I don't no think that what needs a rework in any way, shape, or form, and I don't think that it needs to even have anything, any connection to The Witcher Four. I mean, the connection to The Witcher Three. I get it that a lot of the characters and cards and whatever are obviously from the The Witcher lore, and it pulls from there. And I would suspect that some, maybe some Witcher Four characters will make it as Gwent cards one day, and that's just part of it because of the the pool of lore from which these games are playing. But the fact that like Gwent is just this bridge between Witcher Three and Witcher Four, and that's all it is. I think is incorrect. I think that it's sort of established itself as a standalone and that's what it exactly. is. Exactly. It's this is not this is not sort of the 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 in between. This isn't like Gwent isn't Witcher 3.5, you know? Like that's not what this is. It's that that's kind of how And it's, we're not trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> um last question. It's a multi it's a several questions from Jack Flag. Jack's always good for some very good questions. Uh yeah. We'll we'll pull Agreed. one or two out of this, but there's one or so that I really wanted to to dig into a little bit. And it's uh I'll, I'll read it as a two parter. It says, Have there any been um have have there been any ideas on how to bring back some of the older triptych card uh, art pieces? Uh it seems such a shame to miss out on two or three, uh two out of three of the story. So for instance, for those who don't know, back in old school Gwen. Certain cards were like try. They were the same card in terms of game text, but there was a three-pronged approach to the art. The same since you could at the time have three copies of any bronze, a particular bronze card like uh, Reavers or Neckers or or Shield Maidens or Blue Stripes. It was one gigantic beautiful artwork that was cut up into three adjacent pieces. The card text was the same. The card was effectively the same, but it was different artwork uh, that completed this beautiful three-piece sort of tapestry it was this it's much like right now you see the crones the crones are like that but the crones are different however back in the day it was the same card the same game text represented in three connecting pieces so i think the question here would be is this something that's i mean part of the question is also you know how to bring it back is that something that's even on the radar it was a couple years ago but it's not something that is on the radar right now to be honest i think it's something that that was cut at one point there were some ideas that maybe we should be bringing it back but i also know that our art directors throughout the years they they hated triptych cards uh, <laughs> because uh, like drawing them also is is very specific and they also felt like it's it was weird from a gameplay standpoint to have like i mean it made sense if you if you would play one and the others would muster in and kind of create this nice image like when we had silver cards you would play the silver witchers or the silver crones and they would all you know jump into to place i i really i i, I kind of miss the only one i miss is is actually the, the shield maidens uh, because i think they they look very very cool river hunters Kind of, kind of. They were also also cool, but then at one point we kind of decided decided that nah, we we will just stick to one art, and I think it makes I think it makes more sense. And then also doing animation on all three of them and trying to kind of also them work in sync and and look good. 
was was also a problem. So um, it was something that was that was dropped. I know there was also an idea back in the day, um, which I don't think we really discussed a lot, was the fact to um, have more cards um, in triptych form or, or or more cards in a way that if you play them in the proper sequence, something cool would happen. So kind of like the Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, I think, what was that, Exodia? Or what, what, right. what was that card that when you had, like when you had them like next to each other, like you would have the, 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 the you know, you would have some uh, ability happen. So there were, th- we, there were, we were thinking about like doing um, a, I think it was um, an idea for a Zerikanian expansion where you would have these cards that if you put them together, that they will have, um, some crazy ability, but as far as I know, that was that was scrapped some time ago. So, you know, this is something that I can talk about because it's 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 something that has been scrapped. But I think we will never like go back to that in in any sense. Like having this possibility of of putting cards together and making and trying to make them work, right? Yeah, that was the other thing that Jack asked: is that if there's any opportunity for like some sort of if you correctly sequence or you correctly place the three triptych arts to form the right in the right order, you get like a boost or a bonus. And I guess that was something that was thought about, which is fascinating. But again, ultimately, it was. Uh, ultimately tossed. Um, Jack also asking a question that was asked by uh, somebody else. Uh, Jack asking it in slightly a less a less confrontational way. <laughs> let me mm-hmm. let me get this question. Um, let me see if I can exactly get it. Yeah, so the question, I believe, was regarding will we ever get a Trisk uh, variant or version that was NR-specific? And the question was asked uh, by Jack, but also by BDYMS. I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, but saying... I uh, saw that one. Yeah, asking, I would ask the usual Trisk question, but devs don't give a damn anyway. Real edgy there, buddy. But uh, hey, look, we're answering the question, and frankly... Uh, how how do we answer that? Because Triss has several variants and versions already, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. And do we really need one that's NR specific? And I get it; it's it might be lore friendly, as some might say. You know that she's got, you know, an uh, affiliation with Northern Realms. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. She but... was uh, she was advisor um, to 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 the NR kings, and I think also to Foltest. Um, that's why, and that's why it would be flavorful. But to be honest, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, quite frank, if we if we're planning any other Triss cards from from the cards that I've seen that are going to happen down the road, I have not seen any major Witcher character. So um, when we're talking about the big three, which is Geralt, Ciri, Yennefer, and Triss, that's four. Yeah. So the big four, um, yeah, haven't haven't seen anything uh, in terms of like new new cards for them. But these are things that can change because we might have one of our artists draw something incredible. Like, cool, that will totally fit here. I will make it a card. So you never know. Yeah. The, never the one know. thing about this is that like the, the response I got, because I asked, I asked the question. I, I asked, okay, first of all, I asked what's the usual Triss question because I didn't know. And then I was educated on the fact that Triss is a very important character in Northern Realms and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. Uh, and then I asked, okay, is, is Triss more important than adding a new card like Renfrey or Dagon? And the response I got was, yes, it's a, she's a more important character. And you're right. Triss is a very much more important character to the grander scheme of things. And she already has several versions of herself. So what? how many more do you possibly want? <laughs> but, I think we're, we're just one Yennefer above 
a, a Triss card, and I think that's 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 what causes the commotion. Like uh, you know, we have the uh, yeah. always the the fight between Team Yen and Team Triss. Yeah. And, is this really the hill you want to bite on, like and die on? Yes. Like ultimately, and the <laughs> the fun part about that was the rep the response uh, afterwards that I think blue balling the community for so long is getting old at this point. Who's blue balling? It's not like we're like Triss is coming. Wait up. <laughs> Like, exactly. No, there's no Never blue balling. It's you're blue balling yourself by creating expectations of what you want and then not getting them. It's like it's like every time I get a buzz from the the lobby of my apartment building, I'm like, oh, oh, it's only the mailman. It's not Shakira. Like, when are you gonna stop blue balling me, Shakira? Like, god damn it! I've been it's been years and you still haven't shown up at my door. Like, no, you're creating your own blue balling scenario here because. No. CDPR isn't out there saying that these cards are coming. We never said that. No, exactly. This is what makes me laugh is that you're setting your own expectations and then being disappointed by them. It is literally that meme of you putting the the stick in your own bike spokes and then and then <laughs> blaming CDPR. Like this is what bothers me sometimes about about this like the whole thing is that this is it, it, it might be you who wants this card and it might be many of you who want this card, but yeah. are you is is creating a a new Triss card an, uh, that much more important versus let's say other characters who don't have cards already or what makes you more important than the wishes and desires of the other parts of the community that want other things like everybody wants freaking Dagon like so should we get a Triss card everybody wants Renfrey <laughs> everybody wants Renfrey I get it but like the fact that you're <laughs> they're saying that CDPR is blue balling you because it's not happening. Like you have two Triss cards already, and it's not like CDPR, like I said, is not is not releasing press press releases saying that tr you know Triss is coming, a new NR <laughs> Triss is coming, and it's been like months and months or years and years, and it hasn't happened. You are creating the expectations, and you are making yourself disappointed when it's not happening. In the same regard that I open the door, and it's the pizza delivery guy, and not freaking Taylor Swift. Like that's the same reason. Like it's the exact pizza. same reason. Mm -hmm. Nice. Anyway, but again, so you anticipate and uh, Taylor oh, Swift, you would not. I still haven't. This is what really bothers me is that back when I was living in Montreal, my hometown, I had my go to pizza place. It was like, I know what I'm getting. I know that it's awesome. And, and since moving here to Toronto, Toronto does a lot of things great and they do a lot of things terribly. One thing that they do terribly is pizza. Pizza. Like <laughs> it's it's all chain restaurants. It's all like you know, Domino's or stuff like that. Yeah. I have yet to find that mom and pop place that makes really like I will spend. I'm not afraid to spend a lot of money on pizza because if it's good and it's then that's what I want. I want fresh ingredients. I want thick cut vegetables and meat and whatever on it. I don't nice. want. I don't want a formula when they make it. It's like I don't want them to be like, okay, one scoop of sauce and one hand like eight ounces of cheese. No, screw that. I want. I want a guy in the back who's like watching a soccer game with like a cigarette in his mouth making the pizza not giving it giving a shit about what goes you know how much goes on it i want my pizza yeah. to have some how much i throw is how much you get that's it yeah a handful like that's it like i want to know who's working because of how much ingredients are on it because the guy's hand is bigger than his his, his colleague's hand you know like that's that's it like and i had a place like that well in montreal. Said. a place in montreal i'm gonna give him a shout out pizza nico's in Montreal, it's in the west west end of Montreal. It is so damn good. And whenever I'm back at home, that is all I crave is ordering pizza from Pizza Nico's. Oh, nice. I miss it. Can't get that here in Toronto. Anyways, um, 
that's that's I guess how we end the episode of of saying don't blue ball yourself. You like yeah. it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Unless we promise something and we're not delivering, let us know. But like premium um, tokens. That's like premium blue tokens. That is yeah, in fact blue balling. For fourteen months. I'll absolutely call call out CDPR yeah. on the premium token blue ball. But let's get real here. Um Creating your own expectations and then being disappointed is the meme of you putting the the stick in the bike spokes. That's all it is. Yeah. So that's on you. Just you know, take life like it is. Like uh, it's either you know, either something happens or it doesn't happen. But yeah, just just don't expect things to happen one hundred percent because this is not how life is. And I think when it comes to um, designing games and also working on features and planning stuff out. Like there are things that will move in time, but if we said that we will do them one day, that means we'll do them one day. If we haven't said that we uh, we will do them, then probably we won't, or maybe we will, and we'll surprise you with it. But you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this. So yeah, just just you know, keep an open head. And I think uh, what we've done as as a, as a company and as, as as a team when it comes to the Gwen team is like we always listen to what you guys are saying and we take that feedback and. We will implement some stuff, but it always takes a little bit more time. And sometimes things get moved because some things need to be done before that. And you need to take those things into account and just be patient with us. I love it. I love it. Well, another episode in the books. Mr. There we go. Episode 11 of the Florida podcast. The Saku Koivu Memorial. Well, he's it's not a memorial. Exactly. He's still alive and well. but Dude. Yeah. I love him. I absolutely love Experience. him. Experience. I love him. I love him. I love him. Um, no. All right. I'm going to end the show like I do most other shows. Pavel, I love you, man. I love you too, buddy. And we love Always you. Always awesome. We love 98%. Well, I love 98% of you. I love you all. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you. I got your backs with all your, you know, your, your good parts and your bad parts. No, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want any bad parts. Uh, <laughs> too old for that. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm good taking only the good parts. Uh, yeah. On that note. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the uh, the Florza experience. Don't forget. And you're, you're not, not losing when you're learning. It was close. That was close. You're not losing if you're learning, but if you're learning, yeah. Damn it. I mean, it's trying it's to get that semantics. down. I always, I'm always bad at getting like specific wording for stuff. But yeah, I, I like that saying, and I've been thinking about you saying that all the time, and I fully agree that even if you lose. And if you think about what you did wrong or, or kind of, if you make a mistake, you were always learn from it and come back stronger. So that, keep it going. That phrase got me hired by Legend Story Studios to write for their, uh, write for their game. They Beautiful. contacted me and they said, we've seen your, some of your podcasts. We've seen your work. Uh, we've read some of your articles. We're very, we're very on board with your that mantra with that saying we want you to do it's a really good one yeah they said like we want you to, to sort of flesh out an article series that kind of digs into that that whole mentality and i said yeah absolutely so uh not to cross platform you know promote myself but uh i do have an article series on on fabtcg.com which is the flesh and blood official website i write for Check them it out yeah i write for them once a week so part three of my series of article series should be out there but it's um, it's a series about how to go from a casual player to a competitive player. So it actually has a lot of implications for Gwent players. So if you're interested in learning how to get better, uh, a lot of the stuff that I say in there has bearing on you as a casual player. Yeah, yeah because card games, they're, they're, they might be different, but they have a lot of similarities between them. And I think if you, if you uh, listen to what we're saying here, kind of we bring uh, examples from 
all all the card games that we kind of dabbled into. So there are some similarities here. So yeah, check them out for sure. All right, I'll give you another option, uh, another shot at it. Say you can say the line. Damn it! Now now you put pressure on me. Pressure. So yeah, yeah, you're not losing if you're learning. All right, Dobranoc Jechi. We'll catch you next Dobranos, time. Dobranoc Jechi. The Flurs experience. Bye. Bye. <laughs>